Welcome to the Reseller Entrepreneur, the podcast for reseller hobbyists eager to turn reselling into a successful business. Learn from Mike and other reseller entrepreneurs as they share their experiences and tips on running an online business. Here's your host, Old Fashioned Mike. Welcome back to the show. So last week, we kind of deviated from our planned episode of talking about pricing. So today, we are going to talk about pricing. And uh, this is actually more more complex subject than you might imagine. So let's just get right to it. The first lesson you need to understand in pricing is that you want... Pricing in itself is not very difficult. I mean, it's really simple to go to a garage sale or a or a thrift store and you buy something at $5 that sells for a hundred dollars online and you just buy it and then resell it. That's, I mean, that's what most, uh, resellers do. And, and there's nothing wrong with that, but that's a good place to start. It gets your uh, feet wet in the reselling business, but to scale your business, you need to be able to buy things in large volume. And it frankly doesn't make any sense for you to go thrifting or in any capacity or buying from a vendor or what have you and looking at things as individual items. Cause if you do that, you're just going to lose your time is much more valuable than that. So what you want to do is you want to create a scalable way of actually buying. And the way to do that is simple. Understand at what price point you double your money. So we talked about this in a prior episode. When you buy a stock in January for $5 and you sell it in uh, December, the same year, for $10, you've doubled your money. That's a 100% return on your money. Where I think a lot of resellers get hung up on is that, well, listen, that's only $5. The point here is if you scale, so if you have 4,000 items and you do that for every single one of your items, then you're talking about much bigger numbers. So the key is to scale the business. The business problem you have is scaling, not pricing. Okay. So you need to focus on that. What is your level? Do you actually double your money? Now I'm not going to say that if you buy something for $5 and you you only want to make $5, that's stupid. I mean, of course, if you can make $10 or $20, that is the preferred thing. And that's what you're going to learn when you focus on a product line. So I've said that in a prior episode, focus on one product line and get really good at it. But understanding where you double your money really tells you whether or not something's a good buy or not. So you can go through things much quicker. So in the time that a thrifter goes through an entire store and gets probably 10% of what I get because they're focused, they're not focused. If you focus, you'll be able to clean out an inventory. So when I go through a store, for instance, I could spend 30 minutes in a very large Goodwill, for example, and I can clean them out of everything I know that I'm going to at least make double my money. And you only get that if you're good at your product line. Okay. So focus on a product line, understand where you're doubling your money and creating a cheat sheet at every price point above your buy price from, let's say in my case, $5 to $13 of where I'm going to double my money. And if you do that, then you'll naturally be able to cycle through much more inventory and scale your business. To get this number, you're going to go to a website called salecalc.com. That's S-A-L-E-C-A-L-C.com. And it's a it's a fee calculator for eBay. It does other things too, but eBay is uh, the primary um, focus we have here. And so what you're going to do is you're going to 
put in your uh, buy it now price that you anticipate getting your shipping price. Uh, of course you're going to do free shipping. So that should be zero because the, you know, free shipping gives you a lot of benefits and we could talk about that. Um, you're going to put a quantity of one and your cost, you're going to have your item cost of which you paid for it. So if you bought five, bought it for $5, you're going to put it there. Your shipping cost, uh, what is the average shipping cost for this thing? And you're going to want to make sure that you're uh, taking advantage of the best shipping rates possible. And But you're going to put your average in there. And then you're going to do your miscellaneous costs. Now, in my case, I have a virtual assistant and that uh, round turn cost. And that means basically uh, taking my photos and creating a listing for me and list perfectly and pushing that out to the various platforms I use and then delisting is $2.50. You may not have that, but you want to put in maybe a dollar or two for your time, let's call it, in there. So you'll understand your miscellaneous costs. And then you're going to put your what you want your net profit to be. So if we bought it for five and we want to make five, then you put that in there. And then your category, uh, you're going to put a free insertion and a promoted listing. So, um, uh, I use 6%. You're going to put the kind of store you have. And so with all that in place, oh, and also I forgot, um, your 10% top rated seller discount. You always want to make sure you put that in there and you understand if I bought it for $5 in order to make an additional $5, I would want to have a $20 and 28 cent price point. Now I don't sell anything under $25. Um, that's just kind of a rule of mine. There's exceptions of course, but for the most part, uh, nothing under $25. So I know in this case, if I sold it for 25, I'd make $8 and 91 cents. And that's, you know, more than doubling my money. So the point is, is take, uh, that, uh, take that website and then create your, uh, buy, sell double money list. And then of course, uh, put that in your phone. And so when you're sourcing, you can go things really quick because you're going to understand your product line. And, uh, and if you run a snag, you run through, uh, to a type of product that you don't, you've never seen before like a shirt, for instance, in my case, uh, a brand that I've never seen before, I might not know the price, then I'm only checking the prices on that particular brand. And then of course, once I've done it a few times in that particular brand, I'm going to probably remember that. And then I can cycle through and occasionally I will uh, run a comp on something that I'm familiar with because I haven't looked at it in a while. And I do that intuitively, but I know pretty much by, by look and feel, of my product line that I can go through all the clothing and find stuff and I can get out of a place in 30 minutes where, and come out with a hundred items or 200 items or even more. So I've uh, said a lot there. And so let me just kind of summarize what you're doing here. One, you are focusing on one product line. Number two, you are going to understand at every buy price of what it's going to take to double your money. And you're going to do that for the range of the average buy prices for which you buy. Three, you are going to cycle through your section of the thrift store or garage sale and ignore the rest of the store. Four, you are going to only look at comps for items that you do not recognize or you have not picked up in a while and you want to see or verify if the pricing is still within lines of those things that are currently in your store. Okay, so number five, we didn't talk about this yet. You want to get it at the lowest buy price possible. And the way to do this is to know your sources. So in my case, we have a lot of sources. So um, I know that on certain days of the week, they have sales. And so I go only to that store when I know a sale is on. Or I know that certain tag colors are on sale um, during the week. And so I go then. 
or I go to stores that are less expensive. And so we are fortunate in my case to have one of the largest Goodwill outlets in um, the U.S. And so I go there all the time because I know my buy price is low. So you might be asking yourself, well, listen, I don't have the access to inventory that, that Mike has. And I get that. I mean, we're all, we're all in different situations. I have listeners from all over the world and in rural areas of the U S where you may only have one or two stores, but look at it this way. If you focus on maybe one or two days a week, picking up a hundred or 500 items, um, you can afford to drive a distance to find to find inventory. And I would suggest that's what you do. If you understand what's around you outside of your rural community or outside of your country, maybe even, and buy inventory in bulk, you're, you're not doing this as often. So it's much easier. And I realize that's not necessarily realistic. So let me give you a few other ideas. There are other resellers out there that sell inventory in bulk because they can't, they don't have time to list it. So, you know, look for those people. They're selling on eBay. They're selling on Poshmark and Macari in bulk. Uh, there's, there are YouTubers out there that have, um, I know Casey, for instance, uh, sells, uh, um, lots, um, you know, that you could buy as well. So look at the, those opportunities as well. But just the point is, is understand what your buy price is and then what your sell price is going to be. Okay. So number six costs, what are the costs of you to uh, acquire these items? Now that's, you know, you can go down to the nitty gritty detail of how much gas I use to go from, from each location. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is shipping costs. You'd think of the big costs that are associated with selling. So that's obviously going to be fees, shipping, promoted listing fees. Obviously, um, there are some labor associated with actually listing. And if you use a virtual assistant, like I do, uh, there's a cost, a direct cost associated with that. Now, if you're using just your own labor, then you need to amortize that labor over all your items. So, you, you know, it's, I would suggest it's going to probably be cheaper than a VA, to do it yourself, of course, you process less. So we got to think of it that way too. Um, but figure that cost in there as well. And then focusing on how to minimize those costs. What are my shipping options? How do I reduce my fees? Is it time for me to go? As a matter of fact, one of the questions I got on email is whether it's time to move from a basic to a premium store and whether you should go from a premium store to an anchor store like I have. Um, but understanding those costs and how, and how to minimize those. So you see what I'm doing here. I'm actually looking at all the cost side and how the revenue side and how to maximize the revenue. And we haven't gotten that part yet, but how to minimize the costs. Okay. So what you're trying to do is increase that gap, right? You want your costs to be really low and you want your, your sales to be high. And so this is going to take me to my next lesson in pricing price high. now what I mean by that is only a few dollars higher. It, well, obviously depending on the item. But in my case, uh, only a few dollars higher. And the reason why is that people want to negotiate. I mean, this is not like Amazon where you just pay, pay the buy it now price. I mean, there are, you're going to get people buying it just for the price you ask, and that's great. But for the most part, people are going to be sending offers, and you're going to be sending offers to people. And you want to give yourself some buffer. But you also want to give yourself some buffer because you don't know where this person's buying from. They may be, may be buying from across the country. And if you're in the middle of the country, maybe that's no big deal. But if you're like in Boston, like I am, you know, sending a sweater, uh, you know, goes from five uh, five fifty or or five seventy, I think it is, um, to seven eighty. 
uh, and that cuts into your profit. So if you, you want to give yourself a buffer, okay? So um, know your know your shipping options. And so when you're buying, you're not buying something that's really big that you're going to get $25 for. You're, you're, you know, you want to buy something that's small that you get $25 for. But you, uh, if it's bigger, you might want to get $30 for it because you need to have that buffer in your shipping. Now, a bit on pricing uh, high as well is that, you know, when people are negotiating with you, you could set automatic um, approvals for somebody um, giving an offer. So if, if you want to make it easy on yourself so you're not going back and forth and haggling, you could set parameters within eBay. And it's not necessarily true for the other, uh, other platforms, but you could set those uh, to automatically accept. So if you're worried about the workload it's going to create by pricing too high, I understand that and just want to make sure that you, what is your bottom line price? And if it's above that price, you automatically accept it. That's perfectly acceptable to do. And I know a lot of people who do that. What you don't want to do is set a automatically decline rate. You want to be able to give uh, to negotiate with a person. So just keep that in mind. Okay. Cause uh, you know, if you automatically decline, eBay looks at uh, you as a seller as not being willing to negotiate. And of course, I think they, they filter. And there's no basis for me saying this, but this is my inclination to believe is that they will look at you as not being a really um, willing to negotiate. And so they don't filter as much traffic to you. So, but always don't be afraid of setting the automatic approval rate if you feel the workload is going to be too much for negotiating. Um, but you will find that if you price even at the market rate, you're going to find that people are going to still want to uh, negotiate. Now, very, very important also is that you want to offer free shipping. Again, eBay and other platforms too um, give you benefits for offering free shipping by giving you more traffic. And so you want to offer free shipping. And if somebody comes in and they want to pay, let's say $5 less than an item, you might want to say, well, okay, I'll give you a dollar less or $2 less and you get free shipping. Even though you've already offered free shipping, you're calling attention to the fact you're giving free shipping. So just keep that in mind that every price that you put, you're including the shipping in your price. So good example. I know, for instance, if I sell something for $25, and it's going to cost me $4 to ship. My real price that I'm getting is $21. And so when you look at Terapeak and other platforms that tell you uh, how much you should be pricing for an item, they usually do not include the shipping. So keep in mind, you want to make sure you price your shipping into that item. Don't price it at $21, expecting $25, and then you, you've not accounted for your shipping, okay? Very, very important. Know your costs. Build your costs into your pricing, Okay. How you get this price is uh, various methods. Some people just go straight to eBay and do that. I use Sellhound, uh, and now I don't have any affiliate link for them yet, although I've used them and I'm, I'm working on it. Um, Sellhound is a great platform. Um, what you want to do, if you're listing on three platforms or four platforms, and, uh, like Macari, Poshmark, eBay, and Grailed, for instance, that's what I do, um, you want to take the highest price. Uh, from all those platforms. And that's your starting price. And the reason why you want to do that is because, you know, you you want to be able to sell on these other platforms. Now, if you're only selling eBay, just take the eBay price and then bump it up for the shipping and then, um, then just go forward. But if you're selling all platforms, pick the highest price. Don't worry about listing it on one platform. That's $30 and this platform, $32 and this platform, $34. That's too much work. That's not scalable. You want to basically say, okay, the top price on, on this item is in grail. That's $34. You put on $34 in all platforms when you put it in your list perfectly app, uh, which of course you should be using. 
if you're cross-listing, that is. Again, the, there's no science to this. It's just that it makes it just easier on you for workflow. And people are going to negotiate anyway. You can ask $100 for something, and somebody will say, I want to buy for 10 bucks, And it happens all the time. And just get used to that. And it doesn't matter if your price is $25 or $250. People are always going to try to lowball you. That's kind of just the nature of the platforms, the nature of the, of the beast, if you will. So price appropriately, market up a little bit. Add your add your shipping in there and other costs you think that are there, and um, and negotiate and getting those prices using Sellhound or completely or eBay itself perfectly acceptable. Remember, completely in eBay are only going to comment on eBay. So if you're selling multi-platform, Sellhound is the only thing that I know of that does the job, and they do a really good job of it. Stay with us. We'll be right back. You love listening to podcasts. But have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Maybe you want to build a brand, grow your business, or are looking for an excuse to talk about your favorite hobby. Whatever your reason for making a podcast, Buzzsprout is the place to start. Since 2009, Buzzsprout has helped over 300,000 people launch their own podcasts. Buzzsprout walks you step-by-step -step through the whole process and will give you powerful tools to start, grow, and monetize your podcast. Ready to get started? Click the link in the show notes to get our free step-by-step -step guide to starting your podcast today. So now, after all this, let's talk about wholesaling a little bit because I really want to kind of put that out there. There are a lot of YouTubers and uh, podcasters and even people on Facebook groups that say, listen, the only way to make money is to wholesale or buy wholesale and sell because you could scale that way. So we've talked about how we could get the amount of products. So I'm not going to focus on that piece, but I want you to think about it in this way. If you, if you have a product that you could buy at wholesale and double your money and the sell through rates acceptable, and there's not a million people on that listing, whether or not it's an eBay or, or Amazon or what have you, then go ahead. I think that's a good option. No problem with that. However, what you're going to find in wholesaling is that people wholesale items, the return on your capital is not 50% or 100%. It may even be 5%. And you will see that people will buy large quantities of these items and they sell and, um, but they're selling at the same price that you're buying it for. So how do they make money? I don't know. I haven't really figured this out with wholesale. I think that what happens is people say, I'm going to buy a bunch of items and I'm just going to order them. They're going to show up and I'm going to make, you know, $10 on each item or, or you know, let's say 10% on each item or 5% on each item. And then those items don't move. And when they don't move, because everybody's on the item, everybody has figured that out and they sell the same items you're selling. And so if you're going to do wholesaling, you got to focus on things that nobody else has or very few people have going after the buy box, if you will. And that's kind of using Amazon terminology. That's great. And listen, if you can do it, great. But I find that the people who do that at the end of the day, they talk about their wins and some of them talk about their losses too. And I, and I applaud those people who do that. But the reality is, is that you know, they're still doing, they're still running around and going to garage sales and going to, and going to thrift stores. And why are they doing that? If they're making so much money wholesaling, the reality is they don't. And that's what you need to focus on. What they run into is the ability to find enough items so they could scale. So they say, well, I'm not going to spend as much time out in the field, if you will, 
finding items, what they're going to do is they're going to just order them. And then um, that's how they're going to scale their business. And I have, listen, if it works for you, do it. If, and, I, and if, if that actually, if you can find items that other people aren't on, that is something that I absolutely would say you need to do, but you're going to find that those are few and far between. And they have a lot of bolo groups that I buy and be on the lookout for those bolo groups are great, but you got to be right on it. Cause if you don't buy that stuff and turn it, then you are going to lose your, you're going to lose your money. Okay. And that's what we're trying to do is what I'm doing when I'm saying that it's scalable, not a lot of risk. So what you need to do is just focus on some high sell-through rate items, but certainly they're not going to be as high sell-through rate um, for items that you find one-offs for or wholesale items. But the but the point is they don't need to be. So if I have something and I have a sell-through rate of about 14%, or well, during COVID times, it was about 14%. Non-COVID times, it was 14%. Now it's probably about 10%. But normal times, 14%. I'm turning inventory in about 10 months. But my physical outlay of capital is much lower because I don't need to buy as much, right? So if I run to a point where I'm getting going above my budget for purchases that month, then I just stop purchasing. Whereas if you're buying wholesale inventory, you need that volume. You need to sell a lot because your your margin's so low. A lot of wholesalers are saying, well, listen, I can't make more than $25 on an item. Well, that's true. You know, you're, most of the stuff you buy... In thrift stores, you're not going to make, if you buy it in bulk, you're not going to make more than $25 per item. And that is a given. However, if you're focused on hitting singles and not home runs, you could buy hundreds, hundreds of items that you could sell at $25 that you get for four or $5. It happens all the time. I walk out of a thrift store with two, 300 items all the time. And my average, my average profit on each item is about $12, $13. That is over and above the amount of money I paid for the item. So I'm not making just eight, uh, six, seven, eight dollars an item. I'm making, you know, $13, $14 an item. If you start doing the math, it's much easier to pick up and much more, uh, uh, less risky to pick up a hundred items at a thrift store that you could turn for $25 for the quick buck, uh, than to buy uh, massive amounts of items that you're going to compete with dozens of sellers on those items. And so what you're trying to do now is turn your problem from a, from a, uh, a sourcing problem into a scalability problem. And that's actually, believe it or not, is much easier to, to address because you're, you know, you can hire virtual assistants. You can use things like Sellhound to actually, uh, uh, improve the processes you have. You can create an inventory system. Uh, you can actually hire a helper locally to do, to do stuff. And so you could focus on sourcing. There are a lot of things you can do, and we're going to go through all that stuff in future episodes. You can call me, well, call, not call me, <laughs> you can send me an email and I'll be glad to go through that. You could sign up for a free session. Uh, uh, well, it's always going to be free. If you're willing to be on the podcast, and you let me coach you uh, here online so we can, uh, so other people can learn. It's free. Um, I'd be glad to, uh, to go over how to scale your business. We could talk about how you source, where you source, how to think about sourcing, how to think about inventory, all those things. Um, but those are different problems that you need to solve that I would say is much more, um, addressable than, uh, competing with people who have the exact same item you do. 
uh, I, like I said, focus on clothes. If you have a Ralph Lauren a plaid shirt um, that is a, an extra large, there are other uh, Ralph Lauren shirts that are extra large out there, but uh, are they the same pattern? Are they the same size? Uh, do they do, do the same? Do they have the seller feedback that you have? Um, there are a lot of things. Do they offer free shipping? Do they offer free returns? If you do all the other things right, you will have a unique item and there's not going to be as much race to the bottom, which you see uh, happening on large platforms like Amazon. And I think is going to start happening on eBay as well when people start doing real retail arbitrage. Now, not to say that retail arbitrage doesn't work and you shouldn't do it um, because uh, you're going to find that you'll, you will find items um, that you can make money on, but it's going to be, you're going to have to hunt for those. This is not hunting. This is, this is, this is farming. I'm farming. They're hunting. And I say it's easier to be a farmer than a hunter. Okay. Actually, that's a good, really good point. Think about all the YouTube and, and podcasts you listen to and see how many of those are stories about hunting and finding the treasure and then selling it for large amounts of money. Uh, that's much more exciting than what we do here, or at least what I do. When you're a farmer, you're, it's all about the steady source of regular things you find. And so if you stick to the buy, sell, double money mantra, I think you're going to find there's a lot of things to farm out there. And a lot more than um, than these hunters uh, let uh, you believe. So anyway, it doesn't mean that the hunting is wrong and you could still do it because it is fun. It's much more fun to do that than farm, but that's okay. Um, uh, you know, there's a room for all of us. Anyway, let's, uh, come back after these messages uh, from our sponsors and we'll go into Q and a see you in a minute. You are listening to old fashioned Mike on the reseller entrepreneur. So I want to take a few minutes to recognize some of our sponsors uh, the first sponsor is List Perfectly, and um, if you use uh, the code that I give you on, on my website, you will see that you get thirty dollars, thirty percent, excuse me, off your first month using uh, my referral code. And I will tell you that I use List Perfectly a lot. It's a, it's integral to my business, and if you cross list at all, and even if you just use it for inventory, uh, it's a great tool, and so you should use it. All right, so that's List Perfectly. And the next one is Hammock. Hammock is a, a virtual assistant. Uh, uh, service that I use. And again, you get a $50 credit off your first order using the referral link on our website. And lastly, uh, is a company that I haven't really talked about yet, but uh, certainly if you want to buy new items uh, and certainly good during Christmas time, uh, you could find unique items at a place called SaleHoo, and that's S-A-L-E-H-O-O.com, and um, use our referral code. I don't know what the deal is with that yet, so we're still working on that, but the referral code is there nonetheless. You do get something, I just don't know what it is. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much, and we'll be right back to finish up the Q&A. You are listening to Old Fashioned Mike on The Reseller Entrepreneur. Okay, so Q&A time. So I've been getting some email from you and, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure whether or not you want me to use your name or not. I didn't really ask that question. So I'm, I think in this episode, we're not going to do that. I'm just going to read some of the questions um, that I've gotten. I've gotten some duplicates, so I've kind of put them together and kind of altered them a little bit to kind of be more complete. But we got a couple questions here. The first one is, when should I get a anchor store or when should I upgrade my store? 
from the basic store to the premium and, and so on. And my answer is pretty simple. Um, when you realize that the fees that you're paying would be covered by the next level of store, then you need to upgrade your store. That's all. So usually I would say you want to start off with the basic, with the, uh, basic store, you know, and then move on to the uh, premium and then on to the anchor pretty quickly. Um, you know, obviously, uh, you're going to find out that's going to be right around 3000 items. If you're going to move to the anchor store, uh, certainly the enterprise store, I don't know anybody who uses that other than the maybe big players. And so you know, that's not really an issue here for most people. I would imagine if you have 80,000 listings, like some, uh, people that are listing on eBay, that would make sense. But, um, certainly I don't see anybody going over an anchor store for most of their career uh, as a reseller. What pushed me the edge um, to the edge uh, to go to the next level for me for the anchor store was the $150 credit you get for uh, supplies. I mean, it was really kind of, I was right at the cusp of actually needing an upgrade or not. And so that pushed me over the edge. But, and then of course it's a little convoluted right now because eBay is giving a bunch of free listings away uh, and we'll see where that goes. But, um, you know, you might want to delay that. I didn't for other reasons, but, um, you know, concierge service being the big one. So anyway, that's the answer to that one. The next question is how often I should be updating my listings. So on eBay, just to give everybody kind of a sense of what the question is, is that in eBay, uh, when you have a listing that's been around for a while, sometimes you don't get that much traffic. And so there are a lot of schools of thought out there about doing a refresh. And I don't know if there's any evidence that a refresh actually works other than then if you actually delete the listing and then relist it. Now, what I do is that I go into list perfectly. I delist, um, in, uh, in eBay. And then what I do is then I just push the same file, uh, from list perfectly back to eBay. So they have the identical listing and I might update it a little bit, but, but it looks like a brand new listing. And I do seem to see some traffic that way. Again, anecdotal evidence, that that works. Um, um, but I'm pretty sure it does. And then, uh, I would say the same is true for Macari. I haven't really seen an uptick in Poshmark when I do that. Uh, so when I do the eBay one, I usually do the Macari one at the same time and the Poshmark one I let I leave and the grailed one I leave alone. So I would say I would do it, uh, you know, every th three months, um, you would do that. And of course you're going to find yourself doing that all the time. So I would do it uh, as a side, uh, of your business. I wouldn't do it if you are running out, of listings to uh, of new product, I would say uh, you can go back and fix the old product. Now I would also take this opportunity. If you think that the pictures are not that good of redoing those pictures. So some of my earlier listings have picture problems. Um, I would say one, one, they were not square. And you, of course you need square pictures for eBay, uh, for it to optimize. So I would redo the pictures in that case. And also I would, uh, sometimes double check the uh, measurements if they didn't seem right anyway. So Every 90 days, I would pick some out and do it. Um, you're going to find, you, you know, that if they've been around that long, hopefully those should be few and far between. Um, also, you might want to take a look at how often or what the sell-through rate is of those items are. And if it seems that it's a little slow, uh, maybe it's time to also refresh that listing. The next question was uh, kind of feedback on the uh, sales funnel that we talked about a few weeks back. And just as a refresher. The sales funnel is where you have a Shopify site uh, that you also post all your listings or at least a, a large portion of the higher 
value item listings to your Shopify store and then use that to push to Instagram and Facebook. I'm going to tell you, I, I'm still on the fence about that. I'm still doing it. Um, I have only gotten a few sales from it so far. And I think now I'm looking at another alternative of using something called Zapier, which is an automation software that has integrations with both Facebook Marketplace and uh, eBay. And so using that instead of a Shopify store, one conserves costs, two takes away the element of taxation, which we haven't talked about, but we do need to talk about at some point. And, uh, and that's sales taxation and, um, really just kind of automates that process. So I'm working with it right now, playing around with it, um, and seeing if that works. And if it does work, I'll let everybody know. And matter of fact, if I can create some software or a zap for you, they call it a zap, um, that I will, uh, publish that. So everybody could use it and that'll be free of charge. Cause frankly, it's not causing me any extra work. So, uh, Zapier is like, I don't know, like 20 something dollars a month. Um, and you, it does a whole bunch of automation things. Now I'm also playing with that along the same lines as, um, uh, automating, taking the sales I make and putting it into, uh, my sales spreadsheet that I use to track my finances and also push that information directly to QuickBooks. Um, they, it integrates with everything. So I'll, I'll give you an update on that if that happens. Okay. Next question, do hashtags and keywords really work? And I'm going to say yes to that. Um, certainly, uh, keywords are really important in your title. So you want the brand, you want the, whether it's, a, um, well, in my case, so whether it's a men's or a woman's uh, piece of clothing, you want the size, you want the color, and you, of course you want what it is. So a good example would be, uh, Levi's 501 men's blue jeans, size 30. Uh, or if it was a, let's say a VCR, it'd be Samsung, uh, VCR circa 1990 tested and working. Now, of course that's not my area. So don't, don't quote me of that being a very, a great title. I'm um, also, but in eBay, you want to make sure that all the items that are required or frequently searched. So when you're posting your listing, you're going to see the number of searches terms, that go into uh, how many times people have used that for that particular type of item. And you want to make sure those are filled out and you want to make sure there's a, a wheel there. I call it the clock, but uh, that as you add search terms to your listing, it will kind of be reach a hundred percent. You kind of want to hit a hundred percent as much as possible on those. Uh, and the hashtags, I haven't really seen any evidence that hashtags work in uh, Mercari. I do know that they're probably pretty big in the Instagram and Facebook world. And so I, I, I use them and actually in list perfectly, they give you a place where you can do that. And so I would say if it's, uh, if you want to do that, I think that it wouldn't hurt. Um, I don't know for eBay specifically what I, whether I'd go out of my way to do that. Also a really good description, um, starting with the same title that you start with, Plus also the features within that listing, within the description is also very, very good. Plus your shipping terms and your return policy. So make sure all that's in there. Okay. The next question is really more of a statement. My sales are really slow and I want to know how to start increasing my sales. Okay. That's a, I mean, that's a really uh, open-ended question, but really the biggest way you're going to increase your sales is increase your listings. I mean, that's the number one. Certainly you can improve your pictures and you can improve uh, the descriptions and that's all important too. 
and you should do that. But the key is you want to list, 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 list as much as you can all the time until you reach capacity in your uh, physical space. And then you got to think about getting a bigger space. The more you list, the more you sell. That's just really it. And know your numbers around those. So if you know that you're going to list 10, you're only going to sell three that month of those 10, you know, and, and know those numbers. And so you, so it really then just becomes a math problem. One of these days, or really soon, actually, I'm going to post a YouTube episode that will show you how I track my numbers. Um, we, we did have a Know Your Numbers a podcast, and um, you go listen to that. It's like, That's important, but you really also want to know if I put X amount of, of, of items in the funnel, it will produce X amount of, or Y amount of sales. And so if you know those numbers, then that will answer your question for you. Okay, we'll stop with the Q&A there. I have some more, but I think I'm going to save them for next episode. I, I really thank you for the for sending me uh, those questions. And, uh, you know, listen, send me more. I'll answer them, no problem. And also, I want to have people go, go visit the website. So the website has a lot of episode-related material. It's obviously growing every day. Uh, we also launched our YouTube channel, which frankly is just really a replay of the podcast. So it just gives you another avenue to, to listen, but, um, we definitely, there's definitely opportunities to listen there and make sure you hit the thumbs up and subscribe to the channel there as well. It really helps the YouTube algorithm and uh, helps me get more uh, listeners, which is what I'm always looking for. And, um, also if you want to be on the podcast as a, you know, somebody I could train, uh, live and, uh, you know, just give me a, a shout out at the, um, on the website. There's a contact form there. Just let me know how to get in touch with you. Okay. Listen, subscribe to the podcast, um, uh, where you listen to podcasts or on YouTube and, or you should go to the website and listen there and we will see you really soon. Thank you very much for listening. Talk to you later. This episode has ended, but your journey towards turning your reselling hobby into a business doesn't have to. Head on over to oldfashionedmike.com for more information and tips on running a successful reselling business. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. Until next time.